All right, good morning, Heartland. Happy Sunday. Thank you so much for joining us here with Church Online for I don't know how much longer, but hopefully not much longer. Uh, we hope you're staying safe and healthy and cool uh, during this summer. Welcome to our continuing in our series, Summer in the Psalms. I want to also mention a couple things here up top. Uh, if you go to our website and go to the current series, you can download our Psalm reading plan, uh, which we've committed to reading the entire book of Psalms over this summer and keeping up with what we're teaching on in this series. Also, for this teaching specifically, um, at the very end, I have an activity that I'm going to have, I kind of walk us through and have you do um, after the service is over, but if you'd like to uh, download the PDF of the paper document you'll need for that activity, you can also go to our current series and download that, or you can also, it's very simple, you can make it on your own at the end of the teaching, I'll walk you through it, otherwise you can download our copy and not have to do any drawing at all. Uh, today we are going to dive into Psalm 77, which uh, hopefully many of you read this past week as part of your reading plan, um, and it is probably, it's not even probably, it is my favorite psalm of the 150 psalms that we're reading this summer, many of which we're studying during this series. Psalm 77 is my favorite psalm, and I'll never forget uh, uh, hearing a teaching on it over 15 years ago uh, from a friend of mine who was a pastor at a church in Chicago, and what he taught on about this psalm has stuck with me for 15 years, and I've never forgotten it. So uh, some of what I'm sharing with you this morning came from him. I'm indebted to him, uh, but from that moment on, it became my favorite psalm. Now, most of us, when we think of uh, the, the psalms from Scripture, we think of psalms of, of praise or worship, which makes sense, because over one-third of the psalms, the songs written in the book of Psalms are songs of worship, are songs of praise. But another category, which also makes up about one-third of the entire book of Psalms, are songs of lament. Lament meaning a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. And Psalm 77 is a psalm of lament. Now, to be honest, I really like sad songs. Just admitting to you, Lindsay like, hates it at home uh, when I play music sometimes because she's like, what is this, like the depression remix on Spotify? Like, what are you doing? I'm so sad. Turn this music off. But I just like listening to kind of melancholy songs that have kind of that sadder tone or lyrics or whatever in them. Now, to be fair, I'll admit, um, I would probably classify myself as more of a pessimist uh, on, on that end. Definitely one of my shadow sides I have to be aware of is like disengaging or wallowing. That sort of tends to be my, my you know, dark side of being an introvert and all that kind of thing. But... In my defense, this is true, there is scientific data that actually talks about the benefit of listening to sad music. Check this out. Uh, one study conducted by researchers at Durham University in the UK and a university in Finland analyzed three large-scale surveys, surveys covering almost 2,500 people. Uh, they found two possible explanations based on their studies as to why we enjoy sad music. Here we go. Those of you that like sad music, you're welcome. Here's some ammo for defending yourself. Number one, when we listen to sad music, we feel better about our lives when we hear someone is in a worse situation. Now, granted, that's a sad peek into the human heart, but that's just true. So everything's going to be okay because Tom York is having an even worse day. Uh, even if it's not that intense, sometimes it's just comforting to hear somebody else is going through a difficult time too. So sometimes hearing a sad song going, oh, I'm not alone, it's not just me. We also like to listen to music that mirrors the tone of our current life circumstances, even when they're sad. So music, the songs, can be kind of a tuning fork for our own situation, and therefore they resonate with us. 
The second reason is that sometimes scientists think that melancholy music is linked to the hormone prolactin, which is a chemical that helps us curb grief. It's a chemical the body releases when it's preparing itself to adapt to a traumatic event. So even when we are not going through a traumatic event, when we listen to a sad song, our body still releases that chemical, and then since we're not going through that sad event, these chemicals are released and it makes us feel better. Also, thanks to brain scans, we know that listening to music in general releases dopamine, which is a neurotransmitter associated with good feelings, meaning we also might experience good feelings just by listening to music in general. A 2011 study on this quote says this, quote, for some, engaging with sad films or music may be one form of therapeutic acceptance. So, there is science, it's not for everybody, I'm not advocating go out and do it, you're like, when I do it, I get really bummed out, don't do that. But for some of you, including me, listening to sad music can be a positive experience. Now, whether you like sad music or not, I think we can all agree that the epitome, the peak of sad songs are breakup songs. Who's with me? Come on, I feel you out there. Who doesn't love a good breakup song, or like, you know, love to hate when you're going through. I genuinely think like breakups are arguably the most painful thing a human being can go through. I hated them, you know, so often Lindsay and I look at each other like, isn't it great that we don't have to date anymore? Because man, like breakups were just so awful because they went against everything God created us to be. He created us to be human beings like in connection, developing connection with each other. And then when you have to like rip that apart, oh my goodness, it's just so painful, which is why there's a huge market for breakup songs because they just connect with us in moments and seasons when we need it. So I have compiled a list of, of some of, not all, you know, uh, don't get mad if I didn't include your pick, but I, some of, a handful of the greatest breakup songs of all time that I'd like to play portions of and, and reminisce. Now, legally, when, you know, I, you play a copywritten song on this form, there's a certain amount of seconds we are allowed to play. We have to be under before we have to pay for the song. And so I asked John, I was like, could we use some deep and wide money to buy all these songs? And he said, sure. I'm kidding. None of that happened. John wouldn't say yes to that anyway. He's a wise, wise man. I'm just kidding. So I can only play a few seconds of each of these songs, but I figured it'd be worth, you know, reliving just a few seconds of some of these breakup songs. So without further ado, uh, the first one I, uh, for your submission is... Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Okay, so we can play that. Uh, quality song, and I will say Sinead O'Connor had the quarantine buzz cut way before anybody else. So Sinead, way to be ahead of the curve. Uh, next up, an oldie but a goodie. <sighs> Mr. Bill Withers. William Withers. When she's gone, there is no sun, Bill. I feel you. Uh, okay, let's go old school again. Uh, this one is probably going to make you think of the show Friends, those of you that watch that. Good old Bono with his orange glasses just breaking our hearts. Remember, remember Rachel and Chandler like sitting in the window and it's like raining and then, yeah, okay. All right, so we can play that. Uh, okay, this next one, definitely another oldie but a goodie, but good heavens, this one, the sentence itself is heartbreaking. Uh, this is Bonnie Raitt. Can't make you love, you can't make people love you, even if you want to. Uh, what was that scene from, from was it Bruce Almighty where Jim Carrey wanted to make Jennifer Aniston love him, but he couldn't. Even Jim Carrey is God. Can't make, I can't. He should have sang that song. Okay. Uh, okay, this next one, you know, might be the most famous of all, uh, but we got to get to the point uh, where everybody's going to know it. And some of you, this is your karaoke jam. <laughs> oh, Whitney. 
so good. Uh, we all sing at karaoke, but none of us could really hit that note, <laughs> except Whitney. Good for Whitney. Uh, okay, this next one I'm including because uh, it's probably not one of the most famous, but the music video for it is just brilliant. Uh, it's so well written. This is The Scientist by Coldplay. Brilliantly written, heartbreaking song. If you've not seen the music video, please go watch the music video. It's just brilliant, and every single music video that is similar to that was based on this one. All right, here we go. A uh, couple more here. This one, oh man, this is like this is like the angry breakup where you're just like you're not sad, you're more like rage filled. Just like angry crying while you're driving. I feel it. Yeah. Okay. There's Kelly Clarkson. Uh, let's go a little bit more intimate. Um, this one, this one, you know, it's more of the sadder, like melancholy at home. Sam Smith, Mr. Smith. Stay with me, please. I'm just bumming us all out on this Sunday morning. <laughs> uh, okay, I got a couple more here. This one, uh, this one is just so well written. I feel like there's no better way to say it than T Swift saying. It's more poppy, but it's still like, no, we are never getting back together. This is if, this is if you did the breakup. So this is the breakup song if you did the breakup. All right, uh, okay, I got a couple more. Uh, one I want to talk about is uh, the James Blunt song, Goodbye, My Lover. Just a heartbreaking song with a heartbreaking music video uh, to boot. Uh, and instead of playing you the song, I want to share a moment from everybody's favorite show, The Office, when immediately after Michael Scott was broken up by his girlfriend, Carol, who was actually, the actress was his real life wife in real life, uh, he played the song from iTunes, Goodbye, My Lover by James Blunt. Let's take a look at the clip and laugh together at Michael Scott's pain. What are you doing? We're getting rid of everything that reminds you of Carol. Hey, what's the haps? Carol? No. Oh, look at this. Your old condo closing papers. Oh, it's riddled with Carol's name. I wish I could throw this in the box. the whole song. I don't have to buy it. I just want to taste it. I just want, I just want a little taste of it. Oh, look at this. She saved you $2,000 because they failed to report a mold problem. But wouldn't that affect the final... How did she... Oh. Oh, I see what she did. That is good. Wow. That Carol is smart cookie. Goodbye, my lover. Goodbye, my friend. You have been the one. You have been the one for me. Okay. Poor, poor Michael Scott. He's so sad, but that's so funny. That's the best line. I don't want to buy it. I just want to taste it. So good. All right, so there's some of the greatest breakup songs. Now, for me, I'll just, here's, I'll just let you know my life a little bit. For me, the, the, my breakup songs that forever will just remind me of sad times, uh, the song Burn by Ray LaMontagne, Holy Bananas. It is a sad song, and if you're in a breakup, you're welcome. Uh, the song There Is by Boxcar Racer, classic, great music video. Someone Like You by Adele, come on, that's a great song, great breakup song. But number one for me, across the board, no debate, no argument, those of you born in the you know, 80s or 90s will identify with me, is 
Dashboard Confessional. Oh my goodness. The album, The Swiss Army Romance, included songs entitled Screaming Infidelities, The Sharp Hint of New Tears, Again I Go and Notice, Living in Your Letters. Man, so many nights of me driving in my 1978 Cadillac Brown Coupe de Ville with my CD player with skip resistance ESP on it, plugged into my tape deck, uh, just blasting Dashboard Confessional. Tears, the pain, the agony, the moment of the breakup. But Chris Caraba, Chris Caraba and Taylor Swift probably would not have a career if it weren't for breakups. So they, I, well, I wonder if he just dated people to break up and then write like this hit album. Anyway, I digress. Okay, so Psalm 77, it's, it's a sad song. It's a psalm of lament. It's not about a breakup, but it is definitely about a person going through deep, deep pain. Now, uh, many of the Psalms we don't know the specific author of. Many of them were written by David, we believe, but many of them we just don't know who wrote them. This one, we are told who the author is, and it's a man named Asaph. Asaph, we know a little bit about him from other parts of Scripture. Asaph was a descendant of Levi, and the tribe of Levi, Levi were the priests of the nation of Israel. So they were in charge of the temple, all the goings-on in the temple, including temple worship. Uh, Asaph was nominated by the chief Levites to be the leading singer and use symbols when the Ark of the Covenant was brought to Jerusalem. Hugely high honor for this dude. Uh, David made Asaph him the leader of the choral worship, and the sons of Asaph became the senior family of musicians primarily as singers and using symbols. So this guy was multi-talented. He had rhythm, he could sing, he was a, the ancient Israel equivalent of like Ben Folds or, or Questlove or Lizzo. Like he just was talented across the board when it came to music. So let's dive in to what he wrote. And remember, this is a song. This is a song of worship. As we mentioned the week, week one, psalm means something sung, usually accompanied by musical instruments, both of which Asaph was prolific in. So this was a worship song sung thousands of years ago that we're going to read this morning. A real quick note before we jump in. I don't know what version of scripture you're reading. I'll be reading from the NLT. Uh, but you'll often see this word after a couple sentences. Uh, it might say selah or interlude. And that's simply a musical term showing an ac- accentuation, pause, or interruption. So it's not a big deal. It doesn't have like deep theological meaning. It's just because this was a song, it was like an instructional piece of how it was meant to be played and sung. Okay, so here we go. Psalm 77 by Asaph, verse 1. I cry out to God, yes, I shout. Oh, that God would listen to me. When I was in deep trouble, I searched for the Lord. All night long, I prayed with hands lifted toward heaven, but my soul was not comforted. I think of God and I moan, overwhelmed with longing for his help. You don't let me sleep. I am too distressed to even pray. I think of the good old days long since ended when my nights were filled with joyful songs. I search my soul and ponder the difference now. Has the Lord rejected me forever? Will he never again be kind to me? Is his unfailing love gone forever? Has his promises permanently failed? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he slammed the door on his compassion? And I said, this is my fate The Most High has turned his hand against me. But then I recall all you have done, O Lord. I remember your wonderful deeds of long ago. They are constantly in my thoughts. I cannot stop thinking about your mighty works. O God, your ways are holy. Is there any God as mighty as you? You are the God of great wonders. 
You demonstrate your awesome power among the nations. By your strong arm, you redeemed your people, the descendants of Jacob and Joseph. When the Red Sea saw you, O God, its waters looked and trembled. The sea quaked to its very depths. The clouds poured down rain. The thunder rumbled in the sky. Your arrows of lightning flashed. Your thunder roared from the whirlwind. The lightning lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your road led through the sea, your pathway through the mighty waters, a pathway no one knew was there. You led your people along the road like a flock of sheep with Moses and Aaron as their shepherds. So as I said, this is my favorite psalm. And I believe the reason this is my favorite psalm in the book of Psalms is because Asaph does not sugarcoat how difficult life can be at times, even for those who follow Jesus. So many times Christians have this idea that in order to represent Christianity well, they have to act like life is perfect. For some reason, Christians think that we have to project an image of life that we never fight with our spouse. We never are tempted. We sing worship songs 24-7. We never have trouble sleeping, never need counseling or medication, that every moment of every day we're living with a smile on our face and joy in our hearts as we walk in the good graces of the Lord. But that is not life. Now, yes, following Jesus means that we never have to do life alone, that we can live a life through his power of peace and hope and joy and purpose, regardless of our circumstances. But when it comes to those circumstances, God never promised that they would be perfect. In fact, he lovingly spoke the truth when he said sometimes it's going to be the exact opposite. Jesus, in John 16, says, in this world, you will have trouble. Not might, you will. And in the most famous psalm of all time, Psalm 23, we hear the phrase, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Not if I walk through it, but even though, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And in this psalm, Asaph is in the valley of the shadow of death. And that's why I love it. It's honest, it's raw, it's real, It's true, it's life. And I think the power of music is never strongest than when it's raw and real and authentic. I've joked before about how I like all music except country, and so I'm gonna make fun of country music here a little bit, but hey, that's just me, that's just, those of you who like it, don't be offended, I love you and all that. But there are actually two genres of music that I've generally disliked, and the reason is this. Now, again, I I don't mean this like 100% every single country song, country band, or whatever, but the other genre of music that I found myself frustrated with sometimes is contemporary Christian music. Again, not speaking of all contemporary Christian bands, and I would say worship music is a totally separate category. Love worship music, it's biblical, there's a huge purpose to it. But when it comes to contemporary Christian music, I've oftentimes found myself frustrated because all of the songs sound the same in representing life as being something much more happy and perfect and joyful than it sometimes really is. People will buy uh, uh, contemporary Christian music because they're like, oh, it's going to be safe, it's going to be easy, and I totally get that. I'm all about appropriate, safe music, you know, for those who need it. But sometimes my frustration has said, wait, wait, what you're singing about is not true life. Sometimes life is really, really painful, even and sometimes especially those who follow Jesus. Through my life, I've experienced a deep, deep connection with Jesus when listening to music or watching a movie that is honest about life and not pretending that everything is perfect. 
C.S. Lewis said it perfectly when he wrote, God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. And there have been so many times when listening to music, sometimes Christian and sometimes not, but music that is raw and real and authentic about sometimes the deep pain of life that I have so significantly felt God's presence and God has been able to speak truth to me in those moments. And so when I read Asaph's words, I feel such a connection to them because he is a human being, a child of God, going through life through pain and crying out to God. To summarize some of what Asaph wrote in his psalm, this is what he says he's going through. He says he feels uncomforted, distressed, overwhelmed, rejected. He's experiencing insomnia, inability to speak, inability to even pray, sobbing. One translation of verse 3 says, my eye flows at night, it will not stop. And in verse 10, when he says, God turning his hand against me, That's literally translated, clenching the hand into a fist. So Asaph is saying he feels both God withholding comfort and maybe even with this fist causing him pain. This is the distress that this man is going through. And so because of this, here are some of the questions Asaph asks the Lord. He says, have you rejected me forever? Will you never be kind to me again? Has your unfailing love failed? Have you broken all your promises? Did you forget to be gracious? Did you think about being compassionate towards me and then shut it down? Have you just turned completely against me? There's a point where you're reading this, you're like, is this okay that this is in scripture? Like, it's about God, right? Did the editors like miss this whole section? But no, 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 this is Asaph being real and true and honest. And I can guarantee all of us out there, myself included, can identify with so many of those questions, with so many of those feelings, with so many of those emotions. That we have had moments and seasons of going, God, what in the world are you doing? Moments of inability to speak or sleep, or pray, or moments of not being able to stop the tears. We have been there, and listen, so has Asaph. So has this man who wrote this wonderful, beautiful, heart-wrenching, real, raw song. But, that is only the first half of Psalm 77. Asaph pouring himself out, not holding back, being real, raw, honest, true. That's only the first half. That's the first 10 verses. But then in verse 11, there's a really significant shift. All of a sudden, the second half of the psalm, you might have noticed, exactly halfway through, changes with a pointed turn in tone and content. And it switches with one single word. Again, at the exact halfway mark in verse 11, the entire tone of the psalm shifts with this one word, zakar. Zakar is a Hebrew word that means to recall, call to mind, or to remember. After writing about some of the deepest pain imaginable, Asaph suddenly does something. He remembers. And note this, his remembering was not an incidental thing. This was an intentional choice that he made to recall, to remember. 
As I said, I read from the NLT translation. Uh, I like the way that uh, verse 11 and 12 are phrased in the NIV. It says it like this. Asaph says, I will remember the deeds of the Lord. Yes, I will remember your miracles of long ago. I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Here's why this is important. Because Asaph made the decision to remember. He made the choice to remember while he was in the midst of all of this pain, all of this emotion, all of this discomfort, all of these questions. He makes the choice to zakar the fact that God has been faithful before. And even when God is not being faithful now, even when he has all these questions saying, God, where are you? What's going on? Why aren't you rescuing me, comforting me? Why aren't you answering my prayer? Even in this moment, he pauses halfway through and says, but I'm going to choose to remember that you have been faithful before. And just because you're not coming through right now in my timing when I feel like I need it, when I want it, doesn't mean you are not the God who you say you are. Based on the history of God's faithfulness, Asaph can then choose to believe in faith that God is present, that God is good, that God is working. The second half of Psalm 77, Asaph remembers when God redeemed his people out of 400 years of slavery. He remembers that God showed up in a personal and powerful way. And even though God is not showing up for Asaph in this moment, he still acknowledges that his current situation, his current circumstances, does not determine God's character. It does not change God's person from who God was before. His current pain does not change the truth that God is faithful and present because the track record of God is that he is faithful. As I said, I've, uh, this has been my favorite psalm for over 15 years. The moment I heard a friend of mine preach on it uh, over 15 years ago at a church in Chicago. And I've never forgotten the, the message that it teaches. Um, but over this past year, it has brought new meaning to the journey that I've been on with uh, God and with my family. As I've gone through uh, Ava's accident and the ups and downs of, of hospitals and prayer and faith and discouragement and pain, um, I'm not a songwriter, I'm not a poem writer by any means, but I've written a number of prayers uh, out to the Lord, some of which I've shared um, online or, or through social media. But I will say there have been many prayers I have not shared, mainly because they have been so deeply, intensely emotional and personal for me as I have unleashed anger and doubt and fear and uncertainty towards God, much like Asaph did. I've written prayers, honest prayers, with things like, God, I hate it here. God, why would you waste my daughter's life like this? God, evidently you're not a God who heals. Did you forget how to heal? Lord, aren't you bigger than brain damage? Lord, I guess my prayers don't even matter anymore. Maybe I should just not pray at all. Maybe they never have mattered. God, why would you keep my child alive just to leave her like this, a fraction of what she was? And I mean, again, some of them I've written, I have not held back. Because from the wisdom of Psalm 77, I know that God is big enough to take it. And in fact, I believe he wants us to genuinely speak and pray truth, exactly what we're feeling, no matter what it is. Because again, he's big enough to handle it, and I think it's only when we are honest with him that he can speak truth to us. And in this journey, um, as I've had moments, as I said, of just 
deep honesty and intense pain, like expressing myself to the Lord in deep, deep, personal, painful, 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 painful ways. I have also zakard. I have also stopped and made the choice to remember. I remember what God did in Ava's life for the first seven years up until the moment of her accident and the things he has done in her life since then that have just gone so far beyond my expectations, the way that God has shown up and moved. I remember the lives of those in Scripture. I've remembered stories of people in my life who have received miracles where God has been faithful, even stories of strangers that I've read about or heard about where God has been faithful. I've remembered that God prompted us to name our daughter Ava with an E because it means life, because she would be a child filled with life and love and bring life and love to other people, and she has done that. I've remembered God's promises about Ava's life. I've remembered the numerous accounts of miracles of healing in Scripture. And so even though in this moment, in this season, I'm in the first half of Psalm 77, I am choosing to live in the second half as well. I'm being honest, being real, expressing myself to the Lord, but I'm also remembering who God is. And my current circumstance, this current circumstance, does not change who God is. And there might be some of you who find yourself in a very similar situation, especially just with everything going on in our world. Maybe it's joblessness or financial stress or family stress or relational stress, whatever the case, or something else, you know, school, education, whatever the case may be. You are in this season of discomfort, which might be putting it mildly. And so I want to encourage you to do this exercise. And this was something I did in a church seat in Chicago over 15 years ago that I've never forgotten. In fact, I still have what I did with me to this day and I keep it in my Bible. Again, those of you that want to download the PDF copy of this, you can do so on our website under current series or if you would like to make your own copy, um, simply take a piece of paper, draw a line right down the middle and say at the top, Lord, I cry out and on the bottom square, write Zakar. And here's what I want you to do. In that top half, you unleash whatever's truly in your heart at God. He's not afraid of it. He already knows you feel it and think it anyway. He's big enough to handle it. He'll love you no matter what. Nothing you could say or write or do or express would make him turn away from you, would make him love you any more or any less. Express yourself much like Asaph did, raw, unfiltered, truth, honesty, questioning, doubt, so fill up that top half with whatever you want to express to the Lord. And then, once you've done that, go to the bottom half and remember. Zakar. Think of moments in your life, the life of loved ones, the life of strangers, stories you've heard, times in scripture when God has been faithful. And write out as many as you can think of. And here's what I encourage you to do. You don't have to do that now. You can do it uh, after we close our service. Take some time today, maybe get alone and do that. But please, please do it. Because here's what it'll help. Not only will it help express the things that you need instead of trying to hold them down or as sometimes I've done myself, trying to pretend like everything's okay to God and to other people. That's just such a waste. That's just going to create more damage. So not only is it going to be freeing to be able to express yourself truly to God, but after you fill in that bottom half, even if it's only one thing, even if there's only one single thing you can zakar about God's faithfulness and you write it down, you're going to remember. 
And you're going to see and then live in this tension between what you're feeling and who God is, knowing that both of these things can be true. And as we live in that tension, I just believe we continue to bounce back and forth. Lord, here's what I'm feeling, but you're faithful. God, why, why, why would you do this? But I believe you're still coming through. This is the tension that sometimes we live in when we are in this season. That life, circumstances, will, can be deeply, deeply painful, but we can remember God's faithfulness, and our current circumstance does not change the character of God. Let me, let me pray. Um, Heavenly Father, you are our loving Heavenly Father. And much like a loving parent, when we come to you with pain, your heart has compassion. Lord, we trust your timing is perfect. Your faithfulness is perfect. You have a proven track record of faithfulness, and we can't deny that. God, for those who are watching, to this, watching this or listening to this that are hurting, Lord, I pray for the freedom of prayer to express to you exactly what's going on in our hearts. And then, Lord, I also pray that we would zakar, that you would help us make the humble, courageous choice to remember. Remember your presence, remember your faithfulness, remember your power, and that there will be a day when you show your faithfulness in this situation that will be something we remember in the future to say, yeah, you know what? I didn't think God was gonna be faithful then and he absolutely was. I didn't think God was present then but looking back, I absolutely know he was. Lord, we surrender our pain to you and despite our circumstances, God asks that you would fill us with peace, hope, joy, and purpose because only you can. We lift this up to you in Jesus' name, amen.